welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Why don't you give God one big hand praise real quick. Amen. Yes. Let's uh, dig into, we got a, 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 a standalone today. Turn in your Bibles to Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. Let's see. Let me give you some help with some of these words. All right. Somebody say Zerubbabel. Somebody say Sheltiel. Somebody say Jehazadak. One more again, Zerubbabel, Sheltiel, Jehazadak. All right, read. One, two, three, go. Amen. 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 For our time together, I would like to talk about how to walk by faith when God doesn't do what's ideal. How to walk by faith when God doesn't do what's ideal. Let's go before the Lord. Father, um, we know that you are a great God, and you said, great are the plans that you have for us, Lord God. You have great plans, and you said, um, no good thing will you withhold from those who walk uprightly. So God, give us wisdom as we talk about real life from the scriptures and the way in which you shaped our lives to be of those who walk by faith in comprehensive commitment to you no matter what our life looks like or direction it takes. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our Redeemer, in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. How to walk by faith when God doesn't do what's ideal. Um, one of the things that um, you know from being a human being, 
that most of your life is less than ideal. Now, that doesn't mean it's less than good. There's a difference. I don't want you to get that twisted. When I say less than ideal, I'm talking about your personal expectations, dreams, and visions. Uh, um, and, so, and so when we look at that, there will always, how many of you know there will always be something that happens? Oh, ain't nobody put their hands up enough. I'm going to ask one more again. How many of y'all know something always going to happen? Amen, amen, amen. And so whether you're enrolling and you're excited to get in this particular school, something is always going to happen that's less than ideal. Um, 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 uh, whether you're in a relationship, if you're dealing with living, breathing organisms, Nine times out of ten, there's going to be some things within the framework of those relationships that's absolutely unadulteratedly going to be less than ideal. Friendships. Amen. Amen. There's some people that didn't make it, didn't they? In your life. Some people that just didn't make it. Amen. They didn't make the long-term cut in your life, <laughs> which shows you that life is less than ideal jobs. You, you, before you got that job, you was like, Lord, bless me with a job. Lord, black can't wait. Any job you bless me with, I'll be satisfied. <laughs> and your heart was so set on just the bills being paid, you forgot about what it was going to like to actually interact with that job. Yeah. Business starting. Some people look at Fortune 500 and they look on the magazine cover and they see the people standing a certain way and looking a certain way and dressed a certain way. And so they look at the goal of a fully automated company where it looks like you get to come and go as you please, but nobody told them about the first two to five years of that business. And, 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 and so things seem to be what? Less than ideal. Marriage. Uh-oh. Marriage, marriage many times, we don't recognize that when we're dating, we lie. They don't know all of you. It tripped me out when, when people that, that either, you know, j just started dating or been dating for a little while or, or even somebody been married for a couple of years, I really know my spouse. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Let's see how you, because, because the reality is, is one day you're going to have to find out who they really are and then you're going to have to find out whether you really love that person or the one you had in your mind that you thought you were marrying. Ain't nobody going to talk back on that part. It's okay. Family. Some of us got some less than ideal family. Yeah. <laughs> and having, let me, let me say this as we move forward. Having, there's nothing wrong with having ideals. Um, the issue with having ideals is you should have vision for stuff. You should have dreams about stuff. You should have desire. It's nothing wrong with that. However, 9 times, 9.9.9 out of 10 times out of that, God utilizes what you view as ideal as a way to make things usually less than ideal to see if you are purposefully committed to him above your personal preferences. And, and, and really the test of your walk with Jesus Christ is how you walk with him when he doesn't give you what you want. <laughs> As a matter of fact, the test is also when he gives you what you want, but it doesn't look like what you thought it was going to look like. 
Now that's, that's usually the challenge and the problem. And so I, I, I believe that, 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 that this is very, very important for our lives. I remember my wife and I was looking for houses, you, you know. And you know, you get to a point where you're tired, you know, where you look for houses a lot. And, and, and we, we found this house. We set our heart on it. And we thought we was going to get this house. And everything was going through and all of this. And then it ended up falling through. Just disappointment because we had an ideal in our mind. But, 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 but this is the issue. God works most when things aren't ideal. God works best when things aren't ideal because the less than ideal is where he shows you the real. So we come to a passage where we're in the, inter, not the intertestamental period, we're in the, in, in the second temple period or the pre-sort of second temple period, one of the last books of uh, Tanakh or the Old Testament or Navihim or prophets, if you will. And as we come to the end of this, you are seeing uh, uh, the people of God uh, are now in the promise. And this is the remnant. Uh, it, it was, there were several waves. There was a wave that came with uh, 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 Ezra. There was the wave that came uh, with Nehemiah. And there was the wave that came with Zerubbabel. There were three waves of people that left Babylon. They didn't want to go to Babylon and Persia and all of that. And then when it was time to go, everybody didn't leave Persia or leave captivity because God had placed the people of God in captivity. So what ended up happening is because they had did a lot, experienced a lot of suffering and challenge and frustration, when they got back to the promised land and God brought them back, they was like, okay, we suffered long enough. I, I deserve things in my life to look a certain way because of all I went through. Many of us in our life think we, we, God owes us something because of what we went through. And so what you begin to do is you begin to develop because you think you've earned a life where things have to be your way because God has caused or allowed you to go through some stuff. The children of Israel experience, I know I ain't talking to nobody at Epiphany, but, 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 but there are many of us in our life that we felt like, God, I've gone through enough, I've experienced enough, I've had enough broken relationships, I've had enough disappointments. God, now guess what it is? It's time for you to come through on some long-term lack of getting with me-ness where I can enjoy the fullness of my life without the inhibition of disappointments. <laughs> but God loves you enough to not give you everything you want. Because if he gave you everything you want, you wouldn't want him no more. Which brings me to my first point. Which brings me to my first point. Number one, how you view things matters. How you view things in your life matters. Look at what it says in the text in verse one. It says on the 21st day of the seventh month, it said, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, and the, um, the governor of Judah, to the high priest, uh, 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 to, the, uh, to the high priest Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, and to the remnant of the people. Who is left among you who saw in this house in its former glory? Question one. Question two, how does it look to you now? Question three, does it seem to you like nothing in comparison? God is asking them some very, very key questions. He's asking them these questions because he understands already where they are. Just know that when God asks you a question, he's not quizzing you to find out where you are. When God asks you a question, he already know where your heart is. 
He's just trying to know whether or not you know where he already knows where you at. Okay? And, 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 and so, so, so many of us are like, I don't know why God asking me that. Just answer the question. All right? And don't be afraid to answer the question because in your relationship with God, as he asks you questions, it's not just about being right or wrong. It's about you being exposed at where you are so that God who loves you can take you from where you're not to where you're supposed to be. That's what relationship is about. God isn't, you know, the, he's not like the one, you know, when you on Jeopardy or something, they go, eh, you know, the thing go like that. God doesn't ant you, right? He, but he's trying to draw you. So he, he asked him these questions. He's, he's actually asking the seasoned believers this question. Because the seasoned believers, there, there are people that are still alive. I don't know how old they are. It's been 70 years. That's a long time. Who remember this temple because they're supposed to be building a temple. Instead of building the temple, they prioritize their own personal preferences above God's biblical principles. So they started building padded, you know, uh, MTV cribs type cribs, you know, lifestyles of the rich and famous type spots. And then God's temple had napkins around it. Right. And so in light of that, the foundation had been built. But as the materials and things were coming together, it didn't look like what they were used to. What were they used to? They were used to um, the Solomonic temple over 70 years ago because the Solomon's temple was a beautiful temple. I mean, it had Lebanese cedar everywhere and it, it, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it had, it had a, a, a gold-dipped pomegranates hanging on the walls, and it, it, had all, it had all types of altars. It had the outer court, the inner court, and the holies of holy. I mean, it was a beautiful temple. And so what ended up happening is when they laid the foundation in, I believe it's Ezra chapter uh, uh, 3, verses of about the 12th through the 14th verse, um, what began to happen is, is the younger saints were excited just because the temple was being built. The older saints were frustrated because they knew when they saw the foundation get laid that it wasn't a reflection of the earlier temple because it paled in comparison. In other words, Solomon's temple was beautiful. It was big. It was boisterous. It was fly. It was something to be proud of. And it's, it was a nice edifice. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying? It, 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 would, be, it would be like having, having some, you know, a, a mega building, like 5,000-seat auditorium in our day, and then having to be in a storefront. In, in, in comparison to what they felt like God did, this is a storefront. And so in their mind, they looked at it from a less than ideal perspective versus looking at what, listen, what they wanted it to be versus what God wanted it to be. And so in our lives, some, some of you don't recognize that God loves throwing you a curveball in your expectations. God loves throwing you a curveball in your expectations is because what he wants to do is when he's called you to do something, he provides what he wants to provide. It's funny. Sometimes God will have you do something and you automatically create in your mind what it looks like for that to get done. And, and, and then what happens is, is when he starts bringing the things your way. That, 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 that he wants you to do it with, you're confused and miss out on it because you're looking at it from a visionary perspective, not a heart perspective. And so when you look at that reality, when you look at that reality, that, that, that's a great barrier. But God wants to break the barriers in your spiritual sight, family. So what is normative in your vision? That's what you got to ask your question, and that's what he's asking them. And then, and then how does it compare to what God actually places in front of you? It's interesting, when Jesus Christ came, Jesus Christ came in a really, really, really weird way. He, be, he came as a poor person. 
He's born in crazy circumstances. Um, he was a carpenter. I mean, the Messiah being a carpenter was an extremely confusing thing. Um, but, 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 but it's funny that God shaped the entirety of Jesus' ministry on less than ideal things. Everything about Jesus' life lacked the ideal. Who wants to come from an eternally air-conditioned heaven to a backwater planet that your people messed up? <laughs> but, but, but know what's funny is Jesus already knew before he came it was going to be less than ideal. But the issue is, um, he didn't let the less than idealness get in the way of the pictorial of what God wanted to develop and what he was called to do at its core. See, that's the key. What is God calling you to do at its core, not how it looks while you do it? And so, let me, let me give you a few observations about this. God specializes in assigning to you the less than ideal in your mind to accomplish in, listen, and through you, what he has in heart and mind for you. But like in your life, that's what the constant stirring is going to be in your life. Most of your disappointments are connected to personal expectations, not actually what God is actually up to in our life. If we keep score in how God keeps score, we will walk in a whole lot more joy. But the problem is, is in our life, we walk in less joy because we keep score like man keeps score. And when you keep score like man keeps score, your frustration is going to be constantly in front of your face because you're scoring based on not what God wants to get done, get done, but what you figure needs to get done, getting done. And listen, God is going to continue to work in your life, topsy-turvy, turn points uh, uh, um, in your life. Let me tell you something that, that I hate. I hate driving in Jersey. I hate it. Don't turn here. Don't go this way. You can't make a right turn on red. Now, you know what I really hate? That you can't just make a left turn. You can't make a left turn. No, you got to go all the way through the light, go around this way, all the way around, then come around and then come, and then you're on the other side of the street. I'm like, who does that? <laughs> Who does that? Like just left turn, blinker, right? I didn't, but I got mad about the process, not realizing that I still got to where I was trying to go. <laughs> I still got to the direction I was going to go. I just didn't like the way the law and the commandment of the government set it up for things to be done. And so even after the turn is already made, I'm still mad. That's how many of us are in our life. God does it, but you're still mad. Just like, well, God, you ain't even have to do Why you, you took me to do all of that just to get me to this point. We could have just. <laughs> and guess what he's working on? What you doing right there. Right, that thing right there that you're doing right there, that ticked offnesses, that's what he's working with. He said, I need you to enjoy being with me. Is it, is it just okay that I wanted to take a longer route home because I just wanted to be with you? But, but you, but you want to get to where we're supposed to go, forgetting that I want to just be on the ride with you. Yeah. 
And see, that's our, that's our, that's our problem. And God, God is like, I, I, I just want us to get to that point. You know, me and my wife, you know, driving. If I'm driving, you know. Wifey, she's not here so I can say this. I'm joking. I'm going to say it in the next service in a nicer way, I guess. But, um, <laughs> um, it's nothing worse than one spouse navigating the other spouse in the car while the other spouse is driving and the other spouse misread the navigation. <laughs> and, and then you don't do, or they don't, and, you, and, you're, and, and then we've lost the joy of being together. Um, one of the things that can make, listen, a less than ideal situation be better is how you view things. Do you view it just as a less than ideal situation, or do you view it as I'm going somewhere with God? Another one. You have to learn uh, how to trust God in the process and dealing with what God places before you. But not only that, we have to be careful of focusing on what God has placed before us versus God. Because the season, listen here, the season remnant couldn't see past what they were used to. See, one of the things in, in the, that God loves to do is God is, is not a God that likes to do things the same way in your life. Most of the time, when you get used to something, God always wants to switch up things with you because he wants to change your experience. And so the, because the more you experience different things, you get a vast amount of different experiences with the living God. And that's what's beautiful about this passage is God is choosing not to build this temple the way that they wanted that temple to be built, but God wanted to do it on his terms. Second point, be willing to press through your fear. Be willing to press through your fear. Look at verse 4. He says, even so, be strong, Zerubbabel. That is the Lord's declaration. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jadah Hazak, high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land. This is the Lord's declaration. What's interesting about this is usually when God does something less than ideal, and like here in this passage, as God isn't doing things on their terms, they become fearful. Because the unknown is always fearful. They were fearful of a lot of things. In rebuilding the temple, um, it would also have been some political issues there. That could, it could have been a lot of different things that, that, that came up as they were working on this. But God never tells you to be strong and courageous if you're not fearful. And usually the first thing that happens when God lays before you something you're not used to and call you to do that thing is you become fearful. But what I like about what God does for the people of God is he calls them to be strong. See, that, see, see when God, whenever God is calling you to be strong, he's trying to let you know that even though you're doing something less than ideal, listen, I have already prepared you with the necessary fortitude to do what I've called you to do. 
God never calls you and pushes you to move forward in doing anything in his mission for his glory uh, uh, that he hasn't already prepared you for. That means that you have to begin to view all of your life as the mission of God, not just the church stuff. In other, in other words, here, the, the, building, the rebuilding of the temple influenced all of their life. All, not just a corner of it. And so what God was having them do was to reset up the center of their life to be centered on him so that the glory and power of what he wanted to do in and through them would flow into every area of their life. And that's why we as believers have to, have to deal with our fear factor. Somebody say fear factor. You're, you're going to have to deal with fear I don't know if you remember that. Anybody remember that show, Fear Factor? Anybody remember that show? I don't know if you remember when they have you blindfolded and you would reach your hand in a, in, a, in a something with something moving in it. And people would be about to lose everything in their body to come out of it when they're touching whatever, right? But what's interesting is the show, I loved it because one of the great things about the show is it forced you to, to deal with your greatest fears. I can tell you right now, I am terrified of heights. If anything got to do with heights and shaking something in water out deep where I can't stand to my waist in, I am going to lose my ever-loving mind. And, 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 and I'm just telling you right now, heights and all of that, I, I, I can't, as a brother can't fool with none of it. But in many of our lives, some of, of the greatest things that God does the less than I, take us in the less than ideal in is in the things that we fear the most. Because some of us fear being alone. But God will sometimes take you through seasons where you feel alone. Some of, some of us fear the, money, the bank account being low. Everybody's hand should have went up on that part. <laughs> but guess what? He will take you through those seasons where it's extremely tight on purpose. He, he, will, he will take you uh, through seasons of your life where the hookups are gone. He, he would, in other words, those are less than ideal situations. God will move you to places where you don't know nobody, where you can't talk your way out of it. Your greatest gifts aren't working like they usually work. He loves to put you in situations where you have no idea what to do but depend on him. Israelites, they're out there by themselves. And sometimes in your life, God is forcing you out there by yourself. Why is he forcing you out there by yourself? Because he wants to know he, you're not by yourself. Oh, help me today. <laughs> in other words, God is forcing you out there by yourself to let you know you ain't by yourself. You've never been by yourself. And, and listen, 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 listen. Even the people that let you down aren't an obstacle for what God wants to do in your life. That's why he tells them to, he says, Israel, he said, be, be strong. He tells every layer of the people of God's community to be strong. And this is a beautiful reality for them because most of our sources of fear is past disappointment, insecurity, the unknown, and what you don't know. I, I used to, you know, I, I used to tell people all the time, you don't know what you don't know. You know, and so when we look at this idea of being strong, being strong points to just moving forward even though you don't know what God's going to do. Let me say that one more time. You missed your shout moment. You got to learn how to move forward even when you don't know what God's going to do. Sometimes the only word you'll have is move. 
The only word you have is go. Now, all of the questions that come in your mind, they're fine, but they shouldn't be a factor in you moving where God wants you to move. It should never be a factor in God doing what you want to do. That's why he can tell Abraham, go out to a land that I'll show you. He started moving, and God ain't showed him nothing. Can you imagine packing up your truck, your U-Haul truck, or whichever one you use, and, and, and you, you, you got you, the leases up, and God just say, just start driving until I start talking. Like, some of us don't feel the Bible. Like, packing up, like, and it wasn't like it was just him. He's just a, a single nomad, like in a, you know what I'm saying, like in one of them little, what you call them, the Volkswagen little things that the people, the people with the peace sign on it, and they just normally nomadic living in a tiny house in Colorado somewhere. Like, we're talking about, like, people that got responsibilities. He got family, children, servants, all these different things, and God tells him to pack up everything. Where we going, Abraham? I don't know. Just, let's just start going. But many times your life is filled with opportunities for God to show himself off in your life by him being strong. And the issue is you usually don't see until later. Whenever God calls you to the lesson ideal, you never see immediately. You'll be like, oh, that's what you were trying to do. Oh, that's what you were trying to get me to avoid. But if you're not walking in the strength of just knowing that God is enough for your journey, you'll always be frustrated with every season of your life. Many of us are frustrated with every season of our life. Why? Because we've never learned, we've never learned just how to trust God with the process. God, things aren't going like I want. That's what it means to be strong. God, things aren't going the way I want. I'm a little frustrated, but I trust you. Listen, every snag in my life, there's been purpose in it. I feel God right there. Every snag, every sickness, every, everything, even times where I look like things were going backwards. Many times God's backwards is God's forward. Only the people that walk with God for a little while understand what I'm saying. And, and then what you have to continue to be, you have to continue to tell yourself God's up to something. You got to continue. You, you got, I, I don't, this looks crazy. I know this looks, you got to admit it looks crazy too. Like being strong doesn't mean acting like it ain't crazy. Being strong means this, is, this looks, this is off the chain right here. But guess what? I know I'm going the right direction because I sense God's peace in my life. I have biblical clarity. This ain't clear, but God's been clear. And, I, I, I've, and I've seen him in different seasons in my life do exceeding abundantly above all I've asked or thought according to not the power that's working around me, but according to the power that's at work within me. <laughs> that's why you call family to be strong. Ah, be strong in his strength. You know, it's funny. Um, my wife uh, had me on the Home of God TV stuff, and now I'm into it, so I can't say it's just her no more. But one of the things that I see all the time when they're working on houses, they seem to have gotten a good deal. But no, when they go to commercial, right before commercial break, they sh something go wrong. And then they make you watch the three minutes so you can see what's going on and how they're going to solve it. But I haven't seen many situations 
are people that are excited to deal with refurbishing a house and them not deal with asbestos, termites, structural issues, or do or having to fix something somebody was in it that didn't do it right in the first place. Don't it make you mad when on your journey, you the one always have to deal with what somebody else didn't do right, and God puts you in place to fix it? And anyway, I'm by myself. That's what it's like walking with the Lord, and that's what they're dealing with. They're dealing with generational bugs. <laughs> that's what the children of Israel did. They're dealing with the haphazardness and frustration of how things has been for Israel, and God is calling them to face their fears in dealing with it themselves. Next point. God loves to surprise you with breakthroughs. <laughs> he loves to surprise you with breakthroughs. Look at the end of verse 4. He says, work for I am with you. The declaration of the Lord of armies. Uh, he says, this is the promise I made to you when you came out of Egypt. And my spirit is present among you. Don't be afraid. Then he goes further and he says, for the Lord of armies says this, once more in a little while, I am going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations will come and I will fill this house with glory. This is interesting now. Because God had already started them off with doing the less than ideal things. Now they're to the point where the, where the facility is finished. Now they, they're looking at it, they're like, I don't know what God can do with this. You ever start working on something and just don't know how, God brought you to something, you're like, I don't know what God going to bring out of this. Because this don't look like nothing is absolutely going to happen that God could do with this particular thing. That's what happened. He said, I'll fill this house with glory. How do I, it's that, that means that they're beyond the foundation now and they finished the, the house and they're disappointed at what they're looking at. They're disappointed at what they're looking at. I can remember that through much of my journey in life. I, I remember when we were called to plant a church. Well, I didn't, I, 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 you know, some of y'all heard the story. I grew up in the inner city. I ain't want to go back. I ain't want to go back around none of it. I ain't want to see no projects for the rest of my life because I, I was born in the projects. I never wanted to see government cheese no more. You know, some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Some of the powdered milk and, you know, the thick bread. And I never want to see none of it again. I never wanted to see trashy community, uh, 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 stinky walls, graffiti. I, I didn't want to see any of that. So I determined into my mind, yes, I'm called the ministry, but I'm not called there. And so I told God, I said, you can do what you want. Call me wherever you want to call me. Your boy not rolling there. <laughs> but God was, I don't even know if at that moment, because I was talking smack, God said, you know what? You are called there. Or, <laughs> or, or if I was called there in the first place. I don't know which it was, right? I don't know which it was. But all I know is I'm here. <laughs> And I never, ever thought that I would be excited about ministering in a place like where I grew up. More so to the point to where I couldn't even see myself ministering in another context. That's why the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord. 
and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Now, some of y'all said, that don't sound like what just happened to you. Well, what happened is this. When you delight yourself in him, he changes you. While you're spending time with Jesus and he works on you and gives you experiences and breaks down false motives and all that kind of stuff. And then the desires of your heart are now reshaped. Then next thing you know, you praying for the very stuff in your life that you prayed against because God has now caused you to be shaped by his desires and now you're praying to him what he was going to already do and he's laughing because you're on the same page as him and he does it because your prayers is a mechanism to release what he was already going to do in your life. <laughs> so when you look here and you look at the beauty of this, God said, I'm with you. He said, now I can be with you because you're doing what I want to do. Listen, let me explain something to you. Let me give you an eternal nugget. God doesn't join you in what you're doing. Let me explain something to you. He doesn't join you. He calls you to join him. So he'll say, I'll be with you. That's why he says, go ye therefore in all nations and make disciples of all nations. And then at the end of it, he said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, lo, I will be with you to the end of the age. How would I be with you? When you're making disciples. We quote that verse, with you is not you being saved. With you is my hand on what you're doing. That's what it's talking about. And so when you look here and God says, I'm going to be with you. In other words, as long as you're doing what I've called you to do, my hand's going to be on it. And I can tell you, when we got to 17th and Diamond and I looked around, I was like, okay, I'm here, but I don't know how this is going to work. I said, I don't know where the folk going to come from. You know, inner city churches don't grow. You know, they're on support for the rest of everything. And so that means I'm going to have to be running all over the country and the world, raising money to the places you could have sent me in the first place. <laughs> but um, I'm just keeping it real. <laughs> I'm just keeping it real. But... But, 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 like, not only did God turn my ideals on its head. Hold on. Y'all don't know. When he said, I'll shake the four winds and I'll bring it to you. That's what the text says. He says, stuff that you'd normally have to break your neck for. I, when you do my will, I'll bring it to you. That's what the text says. The text says, you, you, now, that doesn't mean you don't be diligent. But if you do my will, if you stay in my will and don't faint, ever, listen, I know what's needed to do what I've called you to do more than you. So don't ever think what you're called to do, you want it more than me. Because I'm the caller, you're the answerer. <laughs> And so, and, so, and, so, and so many times you think we love people. God, you know, you're not doing this. You're not, like you're acting like you love people more than God. But God says, I I'll be with you. And matter of fact, I'll shake up places that shouldn't be sending resources and things to what I've called you to do. But because you're doing what I've called you to do, I'm going to create crazy streams of resourcing to open up to do what I've called you. I can tell you story after story after story about being called here. I remember when my, my wife, 
we accepted the call here. I'm in my, I was doing a residency at a church. I don't know how I got in Little Rock, Arkansas, right? I don't know how. I'm like, why am I here, right? But I'm, I'm down here and I'm doing this great residency program. And I'm sweating bullets. I'm like, God, now you done called me to Philly. I love you and everything. I just don't know how this is going to work. That doesn't mean it's not going to work. I just don't know how it's going to work. And I trust you. I love you, but you just had a moment. <laughs> so I'm in there, and this guy was a youth pastor, older guy. He's helped presidential candidates get in office, so he has a lot of context. I didn't know this. So he calls up here to North Wales, Pennsylvania. North, I ain't never heard of North Wales. That sounds like England somewhere, right? <laughs> he calls up here, calls a meeting of a church that was four years old. My wife and I do a site visit to Philly. I sit down in the dude's office. When I sit down, I'm still like, now we about to, we got to move like soon. There's no resources in our account. I'm called to be in full-time ministry. I'm like, Lord, I don't know how this going to work. So, but I know you called us to go. Come up here. He sits down. They, you know, they're four years old. Please hear me. They're four years old. So I sit down. I said, oh, they probably, you know, maybe support us, maybe not. So I sit down in front of him, and he says, um, he says, man, our team was praying tonight, and we don't know how we're going to do it, but we know God has clearly called us to give Epiphany Fellowship $100,000. Now, now I'm, we're, brother, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ color-wise, all right? But there are some response differences because it was a white church. So you tell a black man from the inner city, Did you, you get a hundred dollars? I'm like a hundred dollars? Me and my wife just grabbed hands tightly. <laughs> I want to go, hey, 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 hey. I wanted to, I wanted to go crazy in there. Hey, God, I, want, I didn't know how they were going to respond, you know, because they was a little more conservative. They weren't like my Assemblies of God siblings. So I ain't know. You know, <laughs> but why did I tell that story? Because that was a less than ideal contact. 99% of the people I reached out for support said no. The main ones that supported Epiphany were ones that I didn't all initiate. Most of the stuff that came in here is because God just wanted to do it. I'm done. I got another point, but I'm done. Look, well, look what he says at the end. He says... He said, the silver, verse 8, and gold belong to me. This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. The final glory of this house will be greater than the first. Mm. <laughs> God loves to do less with, does more with your less. This less here is God saying, I'm going to make the storefront temple give me more glory than the megachurch temple. In other words, I don't need, it's not about the amount of brick and mortar. It's about the amount of me. <laughs> And again, our Savior. But look, look, look at the text. It's, this never came to pass here in their time. 
they died without seeing this, but about 400 years after this, a toddler shows up with his mother and daddy and comes into this facility that they built that wasn't as beautiful. And the glory returned. The glory returned because now the promised one showed up and born an unideal birth, lived an unideal life, loved everybody but betrayed by everybody. They hung him on a cross. He was buried. He got up from the grave. He ascended, and he's working with and through unideal people. You ain't, you and I ain't ideal. Don't you think you was, you was, you the best plan that God can use? You and I are the most unideal people on the planet, but God in Christ specializes in using unideal people for some of the greatest things on planet Earth. <laughs> yes, you made some mistakes, but he wants to use them. Yes, you've fallen away. He's brought you back. He wants to use you. I'm done. Lord God and Father, we thank you for your mercy and kindness that absolutely knows no end. And Jesus Christ, our Lord, <laughs> our Lord and Savior, loves to do the less than ideal in our life. As a matter of fact, God, he was seen as less than ideal. So the Bible says the stones that the builders rejected became the chief cornerstone. <laughs> Jesus Christ loves to save people. He loves to bring them out of darkness. He likes to take them from chaos to cosmos to order. If you're here today and Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you.